And welcome, everybody, to the Westside Sports Podcast. It is November 29th, 2023. As always, I am your host, Dakota Esri. Welcome into today's podcast. If you want to find me on social media and at the uh, available media platforms, predominantly you can find me on Twitter or formerly now known as X at capital PNW Professor. You can find me there. Um, today's podcast is going to be a smorgasbord of baseball. I'm going to sprinkle in a little bit of football at the end, but today's primarily I'm going to talk about baseball. I'm going to talk about Mariners. I want to talk about Juan Soto, Shohei, Shohei Otani, Yoshinomo Yamamoto, um, as a tongue twister of that name is. We'll get into all that, but first and foremost, I just want to say thank you to everybody who has been listening, who was previously listening, who was actively listening. Uh, I just, I genuinely appreciate it. Apologies for the lengthy um, time in, in between podcasts. I, to be honest, wasn't sure if I wanted to keep doing this again. Uh, I was kind of on the fence because, to be honest with you guys, and I don't normally peel behind the curtains too much for you guys because people want to listen to this for the sports info, but I don't make these podcasts to make money like a lot of other people do. And for those who are able to make an income off of it, congratulations. I tip my ball cap and my, my current skull, skull beanie to you. But this is a platform that I'm going to try and work on making, uh, try and get some more audio, some more music front for introductions, exit, stuff like that. So it's going to be a process. It's not going to be immediate. So just be patient with me. And again, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for everyone who has listened to to this podcast and a huge apology for the way it may, making people question as to whether or not all the following I built up, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm here. I am here. And with that being said, we're just going to jump straight into it, okay? Uh, the Mariners have made a handful of acquisitions and stuff throughout this early offseason, right? The trade uh, with the Boston Red Sox for Luis Arias that involved Isaiah Campbell. I'm going to start with this trade, and we're going to keep working on our way down the acquisitions of the current offseason for you guys here. So first and foremost, I understand everybody who is frustrated with the trade for Cam- with Campbell because Campbell was a very big part of our bullpen second half of the year, especially after the Paul Seawald trade. And I understand that. I wasn't too stoked to see him go either because he had five years of club of, uh, of uh, like when you have five plus years of, of club maintenance, uh, like you, that is a valuable chip, right? Luis Arias has three years left. If, if my memory serves me correctly, which nine times out of 10, it does. But a lot of people were saying we traded a valuable bullpen piece for a guy who hit 193, three home runs, had a slugging subpar 300. What are we doing? And at surface level, I wholeheartedly agree. I understand that there's a lot of sentiment about Jerry thinks he's too cute. He thinks he's too smart, trying to outclass the room, blah, blah, blah. But let's look at what Urias can bring to the Mariners. He can play. He is a legit third baseman by by trade, which we'll get into here later on within the show. But he can play second base, uh, a little bit of corner outfield, and a pinch pinch, like legitimately if you have no, no, nobody else that can play outfield, then you do it. But he has legit power. Urias was a big part of Team Mexico for the World Baseball Classic. I like his profile when he played for Milwaukee. This guy's got 20, 25 pop power, you know, 250 average. 
That's huge. Eugenio Suarez, his best year was two was two thirty six, two thirty six, and that was the year before last when he had uh, the thirty plus home runs and he had the WAR before. Like he had a really good year, right? Now I'm not gonna say that Luis Arias is going to be a carbon copy in any form or fashion because they're completely different players than Suarez, but. Urias is a better option for your infield than Dylan Moore. He's a better option than your Sam Haggerty. Jose Caballero, if he stays, I think he's going to be a trade piece this year. I do. I think he's got a lot of value. You got to capitalize on that value because, you know, I think if my numbers serve me correctly, it was like 2.3 war for Jose Caballero last year, which is not bad because he had 20 plus stolen bases. Showed a little bit of pop. Uh... And he's got multiple, multiple years of uh, of club maintenance and stuff like that goes. So I understand at face value, people are like, this guy sucks. He's, I don't want to use the term bum, but there's a lot of people on X who have been saying that trade was stupid, right? At face level. So there, were the, so there's, there's that trade. And then we trade um, uh, Blake or Shane Hunt. For uh for for Blake Levins, right? It's uh it's like a swap, is what it is. It's just a swap. Uh Blake Levins is needed to be added to the or uh didn't need to be added, excuse me, to the 40 man roster. Hunt coming back and did. Uh so that's why we had to put him on the 40 man. The Rays were gonna end up cutting him before the Rule 5 draft, blah, blah, blah. And he kind of serves you that third catcher, Brian O'Keefe. Jose Severino background fallback plan. That's that. That's what he brings you, right? And you know, it's there's been a lot of clamoring about this off season, obviously, because Jerry put his whole his whole pair of sneakers in his mouth with the fifty four percent and all that stuff. And look, all I'm gonna say about the fifty four percent, and just bear with me for squirreling here quickly or briefly with you guys here. Just let it go. Let it go, people. He made a mistake. He said something wrong. Multiple things wrong, sure. Did he embarrass the organization? Yeah. He's not the first and it's not going to be the last. You know, he didn't have to go on Brock and Salk and make a, and, and, uh, address and issue a public apology. But he did. You know what I get? It's like after that happens and then you you uh you you trade Campbell and then you get a backup catcher and there's nothing really of huge value coming in and then all of a sudden boom the big first season trade for the Mariners comes across Eugenio Suarez is traded to the Arizona Diamond uh, Diamondbacks for Sebi Zavala and uh, a right-handed young pitcher apologies I don't have his name on 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 record because I don't think it's really all that valid I'll talk about him a little bit here but. This is a clear and apparent salary dump. The Mariners recognize that going into this upcoming offseason, they're linked to a handful of names. They're all going to want at least $100 million. I think one of which you can probably get less for $100 million, maybe two, and we'll get into those here later on as well. But you needed to save money by, by trading Suarez to invest that money into somebody else who can help make this team better, right? And that sounds so bland, so dull to make it better. Here are the facts, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages who listen to this podcast. The Mariners 
would have had, if Jared Kelnick had finished the season on his pace, they would have had four batters in top 10 of baseball for most strikeouts. That is not acceptable. I don't care what anybody tries to justify. Oh, Jared Kelnick would have hit, you know, 20-something home runs. Nobody knows because he had a strong April. He took, He had a pretty steady decline in May. And then, boom, he kicks the cooler. We all know what happens, right? And don't... Don't I'm not trying to get it twisted like a like a pretzel over here, okay? I was sad to see Gino go. I was. Looking at the face value of well, what we got back of a backup catcher who is an elite defensive catcher, not much pop upside year before last when he was with the White Sox, he posted a 110 WRC plus. Does have legit pop, but he's got a bit of a strikeout issue which as we just getting into talking about, they will have to try and address and fix that sooner than later. Uh, what that also tells me is that the market for Tom Murphy is strong, which I'm not shocked by at all because catchers are kind of hard to come by. I mean, Tom Murphy can hit the ball, but his defensive metrics are god-awful. So if you don't care so much about the defense and you do what the Mariners are kind of doing, saying, well, we would rather have a, a higher-rated defensive value at catcher than somebody who hits the baseball. I get it. But it's a double-sided sword because offense was our problem last year. was the main problem, right? Pitching struggled down a stretch, but that's a different conversation for a different podcast for a, for a different day. But, I mean, at face value, you, you save the $11 million by Suarez. That's what he's due this year is about $11 million. Just, just over 11 I think it's 11 and a quarter, right? So you save that $11 million. The guy you got back inside the relief arm, uh, right-handed guy, four-plus years, um, of, of, of club maintenance with him. Like, it's an important piece to add considering that we took away Campbell, we took away Seawald, we took away Graveman. I'm talking, you know, going, you know, going back year after year. Lost Casey Sadler, you know. And we have had some emergency, emergent stories. Uh, Justin Topa, Matt Brash coming up to become what Matt Brash is now. Um... And then you got other guys like Gabe Spire. The the list goes on, right? They they have an ability to take bullpen arms and make them better. So I like the kid. He's got a 98 to 100 mile, mile an hour fastball. He's got about a 65 grade slider. 65 grade is on a 20 to 80 scouting scale. 20 being god awful. 80 being truly elite and like as rare as it's going to get. Um, but overall, the trade leaves a hole at third base for our Mariners. And I understand the clamoring of he's a locker room guy. And I listened to the comments today with Cal Raleigh about um, on unintentional ground on AJ Przinsky's podcast about why, about the, you know, Gino being a locker room guy and being our heart and soul and stuff like that, which he was for a large part of it, you know, at the postseason celebration in the locker room, Scott service before anybody else looks to Gino to address the team. To pop the champagne, right? So losing that kind of a locker room leader is a huge loss, right? And the same goes for Tom Murphy. Like, they're both good players that are better. I think they're better leaders than they, than the value on the field, if you catch my, my drift. And I could be wrong. I could, And if I'm wrong, I'll take it. I'll, I'll own it, 100%. I don't care. Like, the numbers for Suarez have a strong in inkling, right? They're indicating 
that Suarez could possibly be starting to go out and fall off a cliff. And that's a strong statement. And I'm not trying to make it sound like that Eugenio Suarez, part of my friend, is going to be ass or he's going to suck next year. Because he's not. I don't think that's going to be the, the overall case with Suarez. Phil's a good void. Good overall team. Can reunite with Paul Seawall. The good vibes keep, keep, keep going. Right. But Jerry said at the beginning of our offseason that they needed to address the strikeout issue and to bring more contact-orientated hitters into our lineup. Suarez, 200-plus strikeouts. Julio, 200-plus strikeouts. Tasker Hernandez, 200-plus strikeouts. Like I said, if Jerry Kalanick had played, it would have been over two 200 strikeouts. You just can't have it. You just can't have it anymore. You want to strike out like Kyle Schwarber? You need to hit 40 freaking tanks. And if you don't hit 40 tanks, which is a large amount, and I understand that, then you can't strike out 200-plus times a year. You just can't do it. For all the times, for Mariners fans, that we had to sit there on our couches, in our love seats, in our lazy boys, whether popcorn, variety of snacks, whatever you choose, right? To watch this team with runners on second and third with less than two outs, not put the freaking ball in the air. Strike out, strike out, strike out, strike out. So for all the people, and this, if this offends people, I apologize. But these are the this is the reality of the situation. The Mariners need to score more runs. And you cannot be so reliant upon the home run ball and the dinger to make it happen. Go get guys that are more of a contact orientated. Go look at guys like a Jorge Polanco from the Minnesota Twins. Go look at a Heimer Candelario. Go look at, there's there's a variety, J.D. Martinez. There's a variety, Cody Bellinger, obviously, right? There's a variety of names that can make this team better. But you have to address the problems that, that are plagued this team for two freaking years. Go get Carlos Santana. Go bring him in. That will replace the, the loss of Gino, in my opinion. Is the production going to be the same? Hell no. I could be wrong. But Carlos Santana has been about a 220-225 hitter. Obviously, a switch hitter going to hit you probably about 20 home runs. And have an OPS right around 750. That's okay. That's, we can we can live with that because he plays decent defense. He can give Tyferens off days at first base, DH, blah blah blah, and he was pivotal for the for the leadership growth and the and the and the the mantra and the the status of one Julio Rodriguez. Again, I understand that why people have been so upset with Jerry this offseason. because he screwed the freaking pooch to start the start this this offseason. But he's trying to do the right thing to make this team what it needs to be to be a true contender. Because look at our look at our conference. Look at the AL West. Texas just won the whole obviously just won the whole damn thing. Okay. Look at Houston. There's talks that they're gonna trade Alex Bregman. I don't believe it. I don't. But you look at what they have. You know they these teams are not going to just fall off a cliff. You need to add and supplement bats into this lineup to make this team truly competitive in the AL West and the American League Conference in general. It's a fact. This is just how it is. So instead of just raking Jerry over the coals and beating Jerry up and saying, stupid Jerry this and stupid Jerry that, 54% this and 54% that, do me a favor, okay? Just get over it. Get over it. I've been a fan for 30 one freaking years. 
just like everybody else. If you're if you're younger than me or older than me, so be it. And I respect it. But at some point in time, you're literally just trolling. You're being the you're being the exact thing that a lot of people can't stand. You're being a John Heyman. You're being a Mad Dog Russo, right? You're being a troll. Let it go. Let it freaking go. Because if you don't, then you just you are okay with under with admitting that if we didn't have Jerry Depoto, then we, you wouldn't have Logan Gilbert. You wouldn't have George Kirby. You wouldn't have Julio Rodriguez, Luis Castillo, Cal Raleigh, the and the list keeps on going. You wouldn't have the Harry Ford, the Felony and Celestines, the upcoming prospects, the Tyra Locklears, stuff like that. He's built this organization. And again, I know he's he he screwed up. I'm trying to keep it as clean as I can for you guys here. I really am, right? He screwed the pooch. He shouldn't have said what he said, and he admitted it. He apologized. He made. He, he issued a public apology. He's over it. It's done. File it away. Get over it. And, and now also, this is like the same demographic of people that I see on Twitter, right? And I'm addressing this, and we're going to get back onto the rails here in just a second, so bear with me. There's a large amount of people that says, what is taking Jerry so long to get something to be done? Well, here's a question. Besides for Aaron Nola signing his big deal... There's been nothing. You think that Sonny Gray, three years, $75 million for the Cardinals is big deal? Kind of. Kind. St. Louis overpaid for him so hard. Sonny Gray is a good pitcher. He's not worth $25 million a year. He's not. Flat out. You want to try to argue with me on it? Find me on Twitter. But you're not going to... You're not going to... Dis- dissuade me. You're not gonna change my mind. Look at what look well, look what's on this market right now. Jordan Montgomery, obviously Yoshinomo Yamamoto, Shohei Otani. Um, the list goes on, right? Eduardo Rodriguez. People need to understand that logically speaking, these trades do not happen in the snap of a finger. These trades do not happen in two or three weeks. The trade for Winker and Suarez took a year and a half. Like, this is what happens. Trades take time. Give Jerry time. We haven't even reached the winter meetings yet. So y'all need to chill the hell out. Seriously. If I lose people from listening to this, I don't care. I don't. Because the facts are what they are. We've been in the offseason for like a month. Not even a month. They made a handful of moves. They're trying to craft the roster. They're linked to multiple big names. I think Yamamoto is the biggest piece. I'm going to get into him in a second. Uh, but just please, for the love of God, just give Jerry Poto a freaking break. People say, well, I'm going to give him breaks. Because he's been doing stuff for seven years. He took this team and we were shit. Pardon my French. God awful. This team, no farm system. Trade Adam Jones for freaking Eric Bedard, who didn't even care to play to play baseball. We had nothing except a steroid-filled aging Robinson Cano. And that's how we started rebuilding this farm system. So just look at the big picture before you just say, F you, Jerry. You suck. Because you know what? If you were to find anybody else to come in here, you think they're going to get the same pitching that we have that's the most coveted piece in all of baseball? Probably not. Probably not. Okay. So... I talked about Yoshinomo Yamamoto, right? 25-year-old pitcher 
out of Tokyo, Japan. The dude has three Cy Youngs and three MVPs at 25. He has a legit chance and legit upside. And this is going to be a bold statement, but I'm going to stand by it. He has the ability to be the best pitcher in baseball. Period. Three truly plus pitches is what Yamamoto carries. 95, 98 mile an hour fastball. A curveball that's a true hammer. Like, we're talking about the elite of the elite. Like, previous Barry Zito-esque prime curveball. With a split finger changeup that equals, and I know I'm making this comparison because I'm a Mariners fan, but if you look at the pitch, it's very, very, very close. It's even, I think it's a little bit better, arguably. He has a Felix Hernandez level type of changeup. You bring that guy in, it's going to cost you $200 plus million. $20 million gets you to the Zoom conference. That's what, that's legit statistical numbers. That it costs you $20 million of posting fee that goes to the team that posted him to be able to have the conversation with, with, with Shohei Otani, with Yoshinomo Yamamoto. Yamamoto could make this team elite. The best pitching rotation in baseball. It would allow you to trade Bryce Miller or Brian. We would go get you uh, um, Matt McMillan or, yeah, McMillan, I believe it is, out of the uh, the Reds. You could go get Isak Paredes. You could go get Randy Rosarena. You could go, there's, you know, Jonathan India was talked about, but I, I don't want him in Seattle. I don't, I, I'm good on the Jonathan India train for me. There is a handful of names. We talked about Jose Ramirez, or we I heard about that at the very beginning of the offseason. I think that's like a 2% chance of happening. Nolan Arenado is a legit possibility at third base because the Cardinals are probably going to want to save some money with spending $10 million on uh, Kyle Bradish, and then, uh, or Kyle Gibson, excuse me, and then you spent $13 million on Lance Lynn, and then $75 on Sonny Gray. Right, they've addressed their pitching wise, and I don't blame them for wanting to spend hundred million dollars pretty much for three guys versus give up one of your pieces to get you a, a Bryce Miller, a Brian Wu, maybe a Logan Gilbert, but I, that's a different conversation with, with with Logan. I digress. However, Yamamoto is he is twenty five years old. It's going to probably cost you a seven year deal, six seven year deal. He's worth it. He's worth the seven years. And in the past, the Mariners have not been willing to fork, o- fork over the extra years. That's a fact. I'm not making up things. These are legit facts via Ryan Dibbish. You want, you want to check it out. Listen to his, his podcast, Extra Innings. It's a fantastic listen. Yamamoto, you are buying his prime. That's the thing, right? That's why it's going to cost you some. I've seen a report this morning that it could have cost $300 million because the Mets are willing to go that high. I don't see the Mets landing him. There's a chance. There's 20-something chances that teams could sign into this guy. It makes more sense, and there's going to be some people that disagree with me on this again, and that's okay. And I, I wholeheartedly understand why you would disagree. This is my opinion. Yoshinomo Yamamoto makes more sense for the Seattle Mariners than Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani obviously is a unicorn. Shohei Otani obviously is a one of one, right? Here's the thing with 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 Yamamoto, 25. You're not having to worry about two way, you know, is how long is he going to last? Blah blah blah. This dude is a freaking stud, stud. 
between him and Roki Sasaki. Excuse me. Those two names, and I think Sasaki will be next year, right? And there's some other names coming out of the uh, the the JPN, right? Uh, Shinota Imanga. Apologies uh, if I got that name wrong. These are not obviously the easiest names to say. Left-handed pitcher. There's a variety of options the Mariners can take here, right? But putting all your eggs in the basket of Shohei Otani is not smart. It's not good business. And for how the Mariners are built to play to their park, I would love I would love Shohei. Obviously, if we didn't like, if I didn't want Shohei here, I shouldn't have a freaking podcast, right? But realistically speaking, I still think the Dodgers are going to be the frontliners to sign Shohei Otani. I just do. I think I've said this for a year and change on, on this podcast. Because they're the Dodgers, they have the most money, they'll spend the payroll, they, they don't care, right? But at the end of the day, right, the end of, of this conversation, the Mariners need to bring more contact into this team. They need to lessen the strikeouts. They need to increase the amount of balls being put into play. It just got to find a way to supplement this team to allow these younger kids, the Cole Young, the Colt Emerson, um, you know, I'm not going to say Harry Ford, Tyler Locklear, because Harry Ford's still three years away. He is. And I wouldn't be surprised if they traded him. But it also makes a lot of sense if you don't, because like I said earlier at the beginning of, of this podcast about Cal Raleigh, he's a Scott Boris client. Scott Boris clients typically don't sign inside Seattle. They don't. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they, they prove me wrong. But they haven't done anything like that lately to show me otherwise. So I like Yamamoto. Love Otani. Would love if Bellinger were to come here, obviously. I think the most realistic addition for my offseason is uh, Heimer Can Candelario, who can play your third baseman. He's a switch hitter. Brings some nice double pop. Had over 40 doubles last year. And go get Jorge Soler. Go get the just the wall of a man. I watched him hit a home run in the beginning of May. On a frozen rope to right center field. You know how hard that is? Like people who listen to this podcast. PNW faithful. God God bless you. Emerson City faithful. Love you. We know how hard it is to hit a home run at T-Mobile Park at center field. Right? And so, and so Soler is like. I hate to say built. But he's built for the park. He's going to swing like holy hell. And he might bring strikeouts. I mean I've talked to you about at length. About on this. On, and ad nauseum today. About strikeouts. But. You've got to find a way to bring hitters that don't care about the the Marine quote layer. They don't care. We watched the Pittsburgh freaking Pirates come into our ballpark and hit seven home runs last year. I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't. I don't. I don't care because I've seen teams come in here and smash baseballs. So go out and find them. You know, yesterday the one of the more trending things on Mariners Twitter, the fact that Ty France finally showed up a drive line. And I'm just going to I'm going to say this for I'm going to try to keep this to 2 minutes. For all you people who are fat shaming Ty France, you're disgusting. You are. It's a dad bod. Is it dad bods like what like 50% of women and people look for on both sides of the sex this year? Like come on, man. You want to have a problem with Ty France? Look at the freaking numbers. Look at his production. But shaming somebody or fat body shaming them? Because they're not like Tatis and they're not like 
Julio and they're ripped out and yoked and eat all this crazy healthy food. Give a freaking break, man. If a lot of people don't know this, and I'm not trying to put information out there that isn't non-sports related. I'm not also not trying to speak on business that's not mine. Ty France and his lady had a very, very, very sad, um, disappointing letdown from them trying to build a family. That's why Ty France was late to get to driveline. Because he's trying to be a good husband for his wife. So, you know, it's like, and I've, I've made my comments about Ty France being, you know, unathletic. And that's one thing, because you're just saying, hey, look, you're not like a prime athlete. But you trying to body shame somebody over what they look like? Look, I was heavy three quarters of my whole freaking life. And the fact that I see so I see these these freaking people, and God, I'm trying to keep this 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 clean for you guys. But if you are body shaming somebody for what they look like, it's because either you're envious of what they have with life or you're envious of their position with what they do for a living with, with their career, blah, 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 and whatnot. But you, you stating and calling out a man's physique, like that'd be like going to a grocery store, looking your waitress, like in the face and being like, Oh, you're not as pretty as the last person who helped me. It's freaking rude. It's not accept, not socially acceptable. And for all you little trolls and hawks and people who are saying, yeah, that my fans looks like he's a little pudgy on the sides. Aren't we? Aren't a lot of us? He's a baseball player. He's not a football player. He doesn't play soccer. He doesn't have that top line conditioning. He hits a freaking baseball. Think Frank Thomas is in perfect shape his whole career? Jason Giambi? Jim Tomey? Justin Morneau? I keep going. Adam Dunn? Hell no! Adam Dunn was known as a donkey! Literally, that's his nickname! But nobody says anything about that! So just do me a favor. If you're just trying to body shame somebody, just shut the hole below your nose. Just stop. Look yourself in the mirror. Go touch some freaking grass outside. And yeah, this fires me up. And I'm talking about this longer than I, than, than I had planned for. But the, the amount of Body shaming that I saw yesterday for Ty France. Because he's in his britches. Do you know how many people would never go in any kind of social media in their britches? About 90% of people. 95% of people. But you know what? Ty France said, you know what? I need to get better for my team. I need to get better for my career. I need to get better to help this team get back to the freaking playoffs. So how about you look at the fact and say this man's willing to post a video of himself and nothing but his britches with all these sensors all over him to try and get better versus saying, oh, he's a little pudgy inside the stomach. Shut the hell up and get over yourselves. If you want to go body shame somebody, go watch the freaking Kardashians. Go listen to their Mimi, Pimi, Mimi drama bullcrap. Okay? This is baseball. This is not a freaking draw. This is not a, a, a beauty fashion shoot. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. I said at the very end of, of this podcast, I'm going to sprinkle in a little, a little bit of Seahawks. Okay, so we're going to try and wind down here because I got I got pretty worked up there. But I just, I, I have no patience and there is no place in the world for all these jackals who are just being a bully, being a bully, being the thing that every person that, that's saying that online was treated like that in school. I know because I was bullied in high school. Like a lot of other kids were. And continue to be. 
So be better. Just be a better person. Look yourself in the mirror. Say, this is what my parents wanted me to be? Is this, am I, is this what my child wants to see me as? Come on, people. Just be better. It's not hard. The Seahawks have sucked for like five weeks in a row. Sucked. I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it. I'm not going to try and beat around the proverbial bush. I'm going to say it how it is. Geno Smith, you look shooked. You look cooked, damn near. Shane Waldron, you're lucky Pete Carroll doesn't do uh, in-season offensive coordinator changes because I'd be fine with it. I don't like calling for people's jobs, and I've done it on here before, but I don't like it. some point in time, as one Kyle Seeger once said, at some point in time, it has to be about winning, and the Seahawks have to figure out an identity. You can't run the football. Save your life. You're 26th in the league. In, in total attempts running. It's not It's not acceptable. It's not. You have a wide receiver core, DK, Lockett, JSN, the tight ends. Nothing's being utilized right now. Offensive line is hurting. 41-year-old Jason Peters, God bless his heart, is doing everything he can to keep himself in playing shape. We got to get Abe, Abe Lucas back. And we're doing it against this stretch that's just ridiculously difficult to say the very least you're looking at last week with the Niners we got our pants pulled down our and our and our bare cheeks spanked public television just embarrassing just embarrassing you know I had a lot of hopes for this for this team for this season considering the year that we came off uh, came off of and the draft class that we had and bringing in Draymond Jones and all I'm gonna say Draymond Jones bud I don't know where your mind's at, but it ain't football. It's not football because you've been awful this year. No production, no numbers. I don't care what your impact is on, on the field. We lost to Chen Owosu, and he's outplaying you by tenfold. So figure it out. Find a way. You know, it's you have so much talent on this team. You have got swept by the Rams. You lost to the Niners. You're probably going to lose to the Cowboys. And at that point, you're going to be 6-8. and eight. After this game and next, because you're not going to beat the Niners. You're going to be swept by two out of the four teams in your conference, and we haven't even, or we would have the opportunity to sweep Arizona, right? Seahawks are not good right now. Things are in shambles. Things are not where they should be. And after last week, with watching an offense that literally didn't show up, having to hear of reasons why things are the way they are, it's not acceptable anymore. To not have an identity of a team that's coached by Pete Carroll that's based off of running the football is not acceptable. I don't care what you what you have to do. I don't care what decisions that have to be made. But you got to figure it out. You got to figure it out quick. On another short week, back-to-back Thursday, which, and again, apologies for my language. It's bullshit. It is. Back-to-back Thursday night games on primetime. It's... It is what it is. The hay is inside the, the the hay is in the proverbial barn, right? So now it's time for us to either figure it out and see if we can make something of it, or we're going to be swept away and not make the playoffs and be uh, drafting in the late teens. And at that point, we're going to be having a conversation about a quarterback because Geno Smith's not been it this year. Hasn't been it at all this whole season. Geno's been just bad. It's not good. 
just not good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hate to end on a disappointing note, but that's going to be for uh, today's podcast. It's a lengthy one, almost 40 minutes for you guys today. So I hope you guys enjoy this, this podcast today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. I greatly appreciate it. I'm going to be doing uh, my best to try and pump these out more often. I'm gonna, let's, we'll try and shoot for once a week. So hope you guys have a great day. Again, thanks you all for, so much for listening. And until next time, I'll catch you guys then. Peace. Go Hawks. Go Mariners.